morning, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, Insanity, A Peace of Mind. This podcast is about mommy martyrdom, and my name is Stephanie, and I'm your host. So this week, I didn't have any strong feelings about a topic, and so when I asked my girls what they thought I should talk about, it was mommy martyrdom. And I originally didn't think I had much to say about this topic and then continued to ponder and decided that I would tackle it in my own way. So I'd like to sort of outline the way I want to address it so I don't get all flustered and go all over the place. And so here are some things I want to talk about. I'm going to talk about my experience growing up in my family of origin and then moving from that into married life and having kids. And then I would like to talk about how, what my understanding of mommy martyrdom is now, probably in the context of other people's um, comments about it. And then talk about what it looked like in my life, because after really sort of researching it and looking into it, I realized that it did play a part in my life. I would like to talk about how uh, I can still do it differently and how maybe I can influence or encourage other people to do it differently. And I would like to talk about how to be part of the solution instead of just an observer of the problem. And I think there's a really important component that at least played a big role into how I dealt with or navigated mommy guilt. And that was about language and... Yeah, that's my phone. I think I'm just going to leave that. Um, how language played a part in Wowzers. Sorry about that. Okay, phone's ringing. Don't know what to do about that. It's not really even a phone we use. So, okay, phone taken care of. So, back to how language and communication played a part in how I incorporated mommy guilt into my life. And then lastly, kind of uh, how I see it now, and again, maybe trying to be part of the solution instead of just observing a problem. So that's kind of the format. So my first uh, portion of this is my experience growing up. Um, I grew up with an older sister and a younger brother and uh, two parents and pretty you know, normal middle-class experience. And as I was thinking about mommy guilt, mommy martyrdom, and talking to my girls about it, I realized that my mother was a really good role model in that she had hobbies that she participated in and did so regularly. And you could see she enjoyed them and you could see that they benefited her in her life. She played racquetball regularly with friends. She rode horses and she played, uh, she bowled on a bowling league 
and she regularly would go out with friends in the neighborhood to garage sales and enjoy Saturday mornings away from us while we stayed home and did our chores. Ha ha. So in looking at it, in hindsight, she did a great job modeling what a good woman, mother, would do to stay engaged in things that were valuable to her and that she got something out of. I don't recall her ever giving them up or anything that would lead me to believe that she did not value this as something that was important to her. So that was a good model for me and I appreciate that. So shout out to my mom. Um, as that, So that's my early, those are my early childhood years. And then um, my mom heard her back and slipped some discs and had a lot of physical problems as a result of that, which moves into sort of the way gender roles rolled out in my family. Because when my mom hurt her back, she had some surgeries and some things that went on that incapacitated her for a while. And during those times, my dad, who had a job that allowed him some flexibility and some hours that made a lot of this possible, he basically took over everything. He did the cooking, the grocery shopping, the caretaking. He made sure we had school clothes at the beginning of school years and stuff like that. And so what typically occurs in a male-female dynamic in a household didn't really play out in mine because circumstances were different. And dad just pitched in and did what he needed to do because my mom couldn't and us kids picked up whatever slack we could. So when it comes to mommy guilt and when it comes to gender roles and the way we, I don't know, complain about them today, I didn't really grow up with that kind of thing because my circumstances were a little bit different. And again, mostly in hindsight, as I think about this topic, I am really, really grateful that that was my experience in life. And I know there's a lot of stuff that goes with that. I know my mom feels a lot of ways and my dad experienced a lot of stuff and we experienced a lot of stuff as kids because of it. But when it comes to this particular topic and the way I view this, I had a really, I had two really good role models in my mom and dad on how to just do what is necessary for the family, regardless of roles, as we like to call them. Another element of my growing up in my family was we did a lot of things together. There were a lot of activities that my mom participated in before she heard her back and then after, at least in the way that she could. We did uh, we had snowmobiles, we had a boat, we did a lot of water skiing, we had a motorhome and did some traveling. And I always remember those things being a an important part of our family life, a priority. And I had two parents who participated equally in those kinds of things. So as personal hobbies and family hobbies go, I think I had really 
great experiences and really great examples of how to incorporate those kinds of things. So as I move into the next part of my life, I'm actually high school, college, I, like I said in the last podcast, I didn't do anything. I didn't have any sports that I was interested in. I wasn't part of any club or I really just didn't do anything. So when it came to hobbies, as I was getting older and into my adult years, I actually didn't have any. And I'm, I really mean that. I graduated from college as an English major, which meant I read, I mean, dozens of books each quarter because I went to college when there were quarters. And so even reading wasn't necessarily a hobby because for so many years, reading was a chore and something I had to do in order to write a paper or, you know, create a poetry book. I don't know, whatever. So even reading wasn't a hobby because pretty much everybody can say, oh, one of my hobbies is reading. Well, not me. Because by the time I graduated from college, I probably didn't read a book for 10 years. And I'm kind of not kidding. So when I got married, I didn't feel like I gave up any of my own personal hobbies. And when I got married, I had an instant family. I immediately was the mother at 22 years old to four children, ranging from ages six to 14, which again creates a circumstance where I do not grow into motherhood and I didn't really grow into mommy martyrdom, at least not yet. So with an instant family, you are instantly in the throes of transporting them to and from school, doing homework with them, getting them to and from their activities, helping them with their chores, teaching them how to do laundry, grocery shopping and cooking for a family instead of just you and your spouse. Okay. So at this point, I don't have time for mommy martyrdom to creep in. And at 22 years old, my identity was not stepmother. I still had a job. I was actually still in school when I got married. I hadn't quite graduated from college yet. And so I really still had an identity separate and apart from being a mom. And I certainly didn't attach my identity to being a stepmom. So as I got older and had my own kids, I really did not naturally attach my identity to being a mom. So as the years pass and as our family grows with new kids being added, the hobbies and activities that I engaged in were pretty much the ones that came as a result of doing things with my husband. We rode bikes, uh, mountain bikes. Uh, we rode motorcycles. We did a lot of things with the kids and their sports. 
Uh, it included a lot of traveling and a lot of things. So those became my hobbies. And it is true that I am one of those mothers that when asked in a public setting or in a form or anything like that, what my hobbies were, I actually felt that my kids and their activities were my hobbies. So, you know, feel free to snicker at me or make fun of me behind my back. It's all cool. We've all got our own stuff. And just for the record, I still, to this day, believe that your kids and your kids' activities can be your hobbies. There just should probably be some balance. Okay, so now to kind of my thoughts on mommy martyrdom today. Um, this is where I really sort of can connect with how this did affect my life. So there's a web uh, website. It's called JessConnell.com. And um, she talks about mommy martyrdom and lists a whole bunch of things that if you feel any of these things or engage in any of these things, you are probably a mommy martyr. Okay. Well, I'll only list a few, but pretty much I did all of them. Uh, doesn't ask, but still expects other people to help. Magnifies her own responsibilities, contributions, and burdens, and thus expects that others would notice and pitch in. <laughs> yeah. Steps up to do it all, taking on more than any one person can reasonably or cheerfully do, and then gets freaking angry and resentful that, you know, that's what she's done. Feels disdain for others who do things for fun and to recharge. Let's everything pile up until she reaches a breaking point, boils over, and desperately, overwhelmingly needs help. I wasn't so bad with that one, but still, I'm sure I did. So those are just a few of the things that I did engage in. And again, I have to go back for a minute and just briefly clarify that my experience was very different. By the time I started having kids, I already had four. And so there was a lot of really good benefits, a lot of great things that came from having teenage daughters who loved their younger siblings and who would babysit while I went to the grocery store or who would play with them while I was cooking dinner or who would participate as, you know, part of the family in ways that made my life and my husband's life so much easier as it relates to raising children, growing into this new phase, and the whole element of mommy guilt. Now, there's a lot of other stuff that goes on, a lot of other things that happen. But again, just sticking with this topic, I had a lot of benefits that a lot of new mothers of infants, of newborns and babies and toddlers didn't have. I had a lot of help. And even with that help, I was able to create resentment. I was able to create exhaustion. I was able to create ungodliness. I was able to create bitterness and frustration. 
by taking on mommy guilt. So Glennon Doyle in her book, Untamed, says, mothers have martyred themselves in their children's names since the beginning of time. We have lived as if she who disappears the most loves the most. We have been conditioned to prove our love by slowly ceasing to exist. What a terrible burden for children to bear to know that they are the reason their mother stopped living. What a terrible burden for our daughters to bear to know that if they choose to become mothers, this will be their fate too. Because if we show them that being a martyr is the highest form of love, that is what they will become. They will feel obligated to love as well as their mothers loved after all. They will believe they have permission to live only as fully as their mothers allowed themselves to live. So in my case, my mother and father modeled really great things as it related to this. My circumstances as a new mom and as a wife were very different than most people's. And so I was able to avoid a lot of this kind of thing. So most of my mommy guilt and mommy martyrdom was internal and not external. Okay, so to talk about the internal versus external imposition of mommy martyrdom, I realized because I went back and I read through my early journals that while I had good modeling growing up, it was obvious I internalized some societal ideas about motherhood. And I'm not going to question them now. I'm not going to question how I viewed them then either. I'm just going to sort of be real open about what came up. So I went back and looked in my journal or journals and early journals. Wow. Super, I don't know, funny, embarrassing, whatever. So I got married in June of 1990. We had, my husband had four kids already. We had all four in short order. So this is a December 1990 journal entry. And this is what it says. I'm going to summarize it and I'll quote bits and pieces of it. I'm married. I'm a mother of four. Life has changed. I've changed. So I immediately have four kids and I'm clearly frustrated. So I write that I need to better understand my role as a mother. It is love, nurturing, friendship. It's discipline. It's providing stability, comfort, self-confidence, and self-worth. The mother, a mother, is the single most important role a woman can have. At 22 years old, I have been given the opportunity to influence the lives of four precious souls. Am I making their father proud? So that was December 1990. As I contemplate this gigantic thing called motherhood. Okay. And then let's go to March of 1993. So March of 1993, I have four kids one infant, 
Well, he's not an infant. Yeah, one baby. He's about a year old. And I'm pregnant with number two. And so March 17th, I say, hang on, find it. It's St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. And I have been working up until this point, more or less. And what I realized when reading this journal entry is that apparently I did give something up that was important to me. I didn't realize that until going back and reading. So it says, I went to the office for St. Patrick's Day lunch. It's hard for me to spend much time there because I miss work very much. My job has been taken over, obviously, because I don't work there anymore. And it makes me sad and a little bit jealous. And I get lonely at home. I enjoy being a mom, but it's not the same. I realize that I am a working person. I miss it a great deal. So apparently I did give up work to stay home and be a mom, which made some sense. And then eventually I was able to go back to work, but I found it interesting that there was that component of it. And then we go to May, which was uh, May 1993, and I actually am writing on Mother's Day. And it looks like I wrote three separate times on this day because apparently my attitude about being a mother was pretty distorted. And um, I had a lot of not so reasonable things to say. So one of them was about a talk, a Mother's Day talk that I heard. And it was from one of my older daughters. And she was to talk about her thoughts on one day becoming a mother. And so she did that, but then she did a really brave thing and told about her own personal experiences with her mother. And then talked about how at a really young age, she had to take care of her siblings and then she went on to praise me and talk about what a great mom I was. And apparently on this particular Mother's Day, I was feeling like a gigantic fraud because I apparently had had a terrible Mother's Day. So that's my Mother's Day. Those are my Mother's Day thoughts, at least the ones I'm willing to share with you all because the others were pretty... <laughs> pretty negative. Okay. And then we're going to jump all the way to a new date, which is all the way into 1995. And this is September of 1995. And I talk again mostly about how hard it is and how rewarding it is. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be a mother. I realize what a valuable and superior calling it is above all others. I am excited, exhausted, frustrated, and thrilled all at the same time. It's fascinating. That's what I said in September. 
about motherhood. In October, I say, I am struck by the fact that I am a mother for the rest of my life. I am going to be a mother to at least seven children for the rest of my life. It's amazing. I am also struck by the sacrifices a mother makes. Everyone is aware of the big sacrifices a mother makes daily, time alone, restful nights, aches, pains during pregnancy, time with her husband, and on and on. But what seems to be on my mind most lately are the small ones, reading the newspaper, eating a meal uninterrupted, listening to music or the radio, getting a single chore done from start to finish. These are the things that begin to weigh you down, frustrate you beyond explanation. You begin to wonder why no one ever told you. I don't know who we expect to tell us. Our own mothers, our own grandmothers. And then I can't believe how much appreciation you gain for mothers in general. It's not like you want to run around and say, thank you, thank you. But it's an inner understanding of the whole experience. It's a realization of how grateful you are that your mother made the sacrifices. Parenting is the ultimate sacrifice. Mothering is the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate joy, the ultimate way to contribute to the world. And I am so grateful for the opportunity. Children teach so much. It is truly amazing. So that was in October of 1995. Okay, I've got one more. It is January of 1997. And again, I say, I am amazed at motherhood. Such constant learning. It's interesting the perceptions we can have. It's more constantly challenging than any school or any job I've ever had. It's more stressful and more rewarding. So that's what I said in January of 1997. So apparently I did incorporate plenty of cultural and societal understandings of what being a mother was like. And reading back in my journal, was kind of an eye-opening experience for me and I'm glad I did it. And at this point, I'm going to probably end this podcast and make next week's a continuation of this topic because I do have some resources that I can offer up that are not me, but that are really good resources for navigating. And I really would like to talk about the way language and communication contributes to mommy martyrdom and some of the guilt that we feel as mothers. So I'm also before I end there, uh, the reason I went back 
into my journals was to actually find something else because I had a Mother's Day, which is what I was looking for in my journal, when I flipped my script about what Mother's Day was supposed to be about. Because like a lot of mothers on Mother's Day and others day, others days, other days, I was feeling a great deal of self-pity, an incredible amount of frustration, uh, lots and lots of resentments because Mother's Day wasn't turning out the way it was supposed to and the way I wanted it to. And I wasn't being honored the way I should have been. And I was literally martyring myself on Mother's Day. And I, I don't know, I probably had a conversation with my husband or something, and he probably helped open my eyes. But I remember changing my view of motherhood. And instead of expecting something from other people, I decided to focus on the gifts I was getting and the opportunities I was experiencing and the blessings that being a mother created in my life instead of wishing and hoping and wanting for something else. I don't know if that resonates with any of you. I'm not even sure it would be applicable or something anybody else would want to do. But I know for me, it really, really changed my martyr mentality. So didn't finish this one. Going to make it two parts. And I'll follow up next week with communication, conversation, the way we understand language and words as it relates to parenting, gender roles, and understanding each other. And then I'll probably just flow into communication as parents and couples to round out that podcast. So I appreciate everybody listening. And I'm glad to have had this opportunity to sort of dig back into my own life and recognize or see or be reminded of all the things I forgot. And the other exciting thing that happened today was I got my new logo done by a wonderful person who agreed to do it for me for Christmas. And I will make sure it's okay to say something and then I'll um, tell you who did it. And if you guys need graphics, you can contact her, but I want to make sure it's okay with her before I speak that out loud. So I want to finish this podcast by saying I love being a mom. I haven't always loved motherhood. I haven't always loved my kids. I don't feel a lot of guilt about my mothering. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm going to end here. So look for the new logo and tune in next week because we'll finish this one up. Mm -hmm.